Well, good morning. Good to be back. Um, I had a question for you. Does everybody know who uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is? He's a, the, the actor. He, he was um, one, of those, uh, one of those guys, that big muscle-bound guys that plays in all the superhero movies. He was the Terminator and Conan the Barbarian. Um, he was also the governor in uh, California. What I was wondering was, if I told you that yesterday I was on the phone talking to him, what would you think? Would you think that was pretty impressive that I was on the phone talking to the Terminator? That I was talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger? It, it would be pretty impressive. You'd probably have some questions for me, right? you probably want to know, well, how, how did you meet him? How did you get his number? What did you talk about? You know, what, what's he like? You know, how, how long have you known him? And those would all be fair questions, because I would probably be asking you the exact same thing. I, I might even ask you if you could bring him to church next Sunday. But it would, it would be a sense of awe, like, it, like something very impressive about that. Like, I can't believe you were on the phone with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But what if I told you that yesterday I was speaking to God? It doesn't carry that same weight for some reason. It doesn't have that same feeling of awe and how, how, how could you possibly be talking to him? And I started to think that that's kind of a sad state that we have where we hold certain people in higher regard than we hold God. What is it about Arnold Schwarzenegger that we're more intrigued by than our Heavenly Father? Right? I mean, one made kindergarten cop and the other made the universe. But for some reason, we, we, we see them differently. And we see them the wrong way differently. Um, it, it bothered me last week when, when, I, when I was uh, doing the research for last week's sermon to see how, how rarely Christians, children of God, pray. How, how rarely we, we take the time to speak to God. Um, and, and I think part of that is we've lost the, the, the reverence of that. We've lost the meaning of that. We've lost the significance of the ability that we have to talk to God anytime we want to. So I was trying to, I was, I was asking Kate uh, the other day, trying to figure out what it is that makes Christians not take the time to speak to God. I thought, is it because maybe our prayers aren't answered right away? Right? We, we live in a, a, a microwave society now where we want everything fast, right? We, we want everything right when we order it. If, if we have to wait more than a, a couple minutes for fast food, uh, then it's not fast and we're complaining about it. it, it it's a microwave society. Could it be that we're not convinced that he hears us? Right? We, we, don't, we don't physically see him to talk to him, to see him inclining his ear. We don't see him looking at us to, 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 and taking notes on what we say. Is it because we don't know if he hears us? Could it be that maybe we feel like our problems 
aren't as important as other people's. Well, I, I don't want to bother God with, with my little problems when other people are starving. I don't want to bother God with, with, with my little financial problem when, when other people are losing their homes. Could that be the reason? I personally feel that we don't recognize the opportunity that we have. I think sometimes, for many Christians, we don't realize who we're speaking to. And that opportunity that we have to speak to our Creator. It's... I can't, I can't wrap my head around how amazing that is. That the one that created the universe, created the earth, created you and I in his own image, actually takes the time out of billions of people on earth to listen to us individually. It's an incredible opportunity that we have that we need to be taking advantage of. I believe that our, our, our prayer life is a direct reflection of our faith. You know, I, I, I was trying to think of an example to give you, and, and unfortunately the only example I can think of uh, or that came to mind was the lottery. You look at the lottery, right? Uh, the chances of winning the lottery are, are, are next to nil, correct? Now, I don't play the lottery because I, I feel like that's spending money and that's being a poor steward of what God has given me. But if I did believe that it was okay to play the lottery... I still wouldn't do it because I have no faith that I would win, right? I wouldn't take the time to spend my money to buy a lottery ticket because I have no faith that I would win. And I think sometimes the way we look at prayer is a direct correlation, a direct reflection of how we feel about God, how much faith we have in God, how much time are we taking to actually pray to him tells us how close we are to God, how, how strong our faith is in Him. So today I want, to, I want to take a look at what Jesus has to tell us about prayer and, and, and how often He expects us to pray. Because uh, I think a lot of people, maybe they'll lay down at night, put their head on their pillow and, and, and pray, Right? Um, that Spurgeon had a, had a saying, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it had to do with um, so many Christians will, will pray and then find the most comfortable pillow to lay their head. Instead of praying and then going to work and, 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 and trying and, and allowing God to work through you to answer those prayers, we just expect, okay, well, I'll just throw something out there and I'll lay my head down and, and expect that it will be done. Um, the story that we're going to see today is that that is not what we're to do. We're not to just pray once, go to sleep, and expect that it is going to magically happen the next day. That is not the way it works. So, let's see what Jesus has to say about it. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. Luke 18, we're, we're, we're only going to be reading the first um, eight verses today. When you found Luke 18, uh, and if you're physically able, we would ask you to stand for the reading 
of God's Word. Luke 18, starting in chapter, or verse 1. The Word of God says, Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but after a word, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Lord, again, we are so grateful. We're grateful just for the opportunity to wake up this morning. We're grateful for the opportunity to come here and gather together in your house to worship you. Lord, we're so grateful for your word and the the things that you teach us from it. The way that you speak to us from your word. Lord, we ask that you would be with us today and allow us to feel your spirit. We pray that you will, you will imprint your words on our heart that we can carry them with us. Lord, we ask for you to speak to us today as your servants are listening. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what is a parable? parable is a short story that's used to explain a greater point to the audience. Um, some are more complicated than others. Uh, I know that the, 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 the parable of the sower, right, where, he, where he's going around and, he, and he's spreading the seed, is falling on different um, soils and different surfaces, can be confusing to somebody at that time if you didn't know anything about farming, right? You'd be very confused by what Jesus was talking about. Um, and then others are very simple, like this one. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think about when, when, when I get older, I, I want to be one of those, one of those uh, older men that uh, have a story for everything. You know, they, 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 one of my grandkids or great-grandkids has a problem, and I can say, well, let me tell you a story about a goat. And after I tell them a story about that goat, they're able to realize uh, some, they'll have some great epiphany. And, and that's the way I see parables, is people didn't understand at the time what Jesus was talking about. They didn't understand um, the, the message that he came to bring them. So he told them stories in a way that it would relate to them, that they would understand the greater meaning. So that's what he's doing here. Now, this one is simple. In fact, it's so simple, the Bible actually tells us what it's about before Jesus even speaks it. It says, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I believe that we are all made from birth 
with a, um, a spiritual instinct. I, I think it's ingrained in our DNA to believe in God. I believe that everybody prays, no matter how much they say they don't believe in God. We, we, we can look at atheists and, and, and how they, they, they claim that there is no God, God does not exist. I, I wonder if they were pushed to the limit, if they're in a, a dire situation, who do they cry out to? I, I think we've all been there before we were saved, that when we have troubles, we, we, we look to God. I, I think that's an intrinsic thing. It's something that's, that, that's been born into us, that when we have trouble, we know that there is a greater being that we can cry out to. I, 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 even before I was a Christian, I would do that as a kid. I would do that all the way up into my 20s. I, I, I was, there was something in me that though I wasn't a Christian, I knew that there was something greater. Um, it, and, and we've, we've all had those prayers, Lord, if you get me out of this one, uh, I promise I'll never do it again. And, you know, the following week, Lord, I know I promised, but if you get me out of it again, we all have those, right? We've all had them. Um, but when you're in a situation, when you're in a hospital, when you're laying in a hospital bed, very sick and, and the doctors give you, you know, bad reports, it, it, it's inside of us that we, it's just instinct that we, that we would ask God for help. No matter how close our relationship is with him, no matter what we've said in the past about our personal beliefs in God, it, it, it's who I believe everybody cries out to. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful, through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm going to read that again in case, in case you weren't listening right away, because this, this whole verse is fantastic news. It says, God is faithful. Through him, you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. So of course he's going to listen to our prayers. He is faithful to us. He, this whole book tells us how much he loves us and how faithful he is to us. I don't know how many times the Israelites kept turning their back on him, but he was faithful to them. And when they would cry out, he would forgive them. He's faithful. So we know he's going to hear our prayers. And if you've ever wondered or wanted to know what the purpose of life was, it's right there. It's right there. Through whom you were called into fellowship with his son. Your calling is to be in fellowship with Jesus. That's what we were called to do. That's why God created us, was to be in fellowship with his son, Jesus. So if that's our calling... To be in relationship with Jesus, we need to be communicating with him. We have to communicate with him to have a relationship. Now, does this mean that, that, that God expects us to be on our hands and knees 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in prayer to him? No, that's not what it means. 
God does want us to enjoy His creation. God wants us to not only have a relationship with Him, but He also wants us to have relationships with each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Right? We hear that often. Pray without ceasing. And, and, and when we hear that, we think, okay, well, um, anytime something bad is going on in my life, I need to just sit down, I need to get on my knees and just pray. Just pray my way through. It's not a bad suggestion. In fact, um, we, we, we lived uh, around the corner from a church that had one of those big boards with the, the electric sign on it, and it would flash different different things that were going on that week and what time service was. And it would have a, uh, a, a scripture on it. And apparently somebody told the, the, the sign operator, I want you to put up the, um, the, the verse, pray without ceasing. Apparently he heard pray without season because for two straight days we drove by it and the, the verse said, pray without season. S-E-A-S-O-N, instead of ceasing. But now that I think about it, pray without season. There shouldn't be one season in our lives that we're praying. We should pray through every season. No matter how good things are going, no matter how bad, maybe they got it right. Maybe they meant to put pray without season. I don't know. They ended up changing it a couple days later to pray without ceasing. But I want us to see that that, that verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is not about praying through bad times. And the way, the way that we know that is that we need to look at the verse that comes before it and the verse after it. Verse 16 through 18. Verse 16 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks to God. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Prayer isn't just reserved for problems. He says rejoice in everything. We need to be happy. We need to be thankful for the things that God has given us in our lives. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. That's what he wants us, that's what he wants to hear. He wants to be thanked. How would you like it if you had a relationship with somebody and the only time they came to you is when you were in trouble? That would be a poor relationship. You want to be thanked for things. You want to be, know that that person loves you and appreciates you. And that's what it means to pray without ceasing. I start almost every prayer with thank you for today. I've been doing that for a long time. Just thank you. For today, Because I know I don't deserve it. I know I don't deserve today. For whatever I did the day before, no matter how well I think I lived the day before, I don't deserve today. And I'm grateful that he gave me another opportunity. That he actually gave me another day. I should be thankful just for the fact that I was able to wake up this morning to see my family. Because he didn't have to give it to me. But when we do have troubles... We're still in verse 1. It says that we are not to lose heart. Don't give up when you have troubles and you're praying. Continue to pray through those troubles. 
So let's take a, take a look at the parable now. The parable is about a widowed woman who is having some trouble with somebody else in the city. She calls her uh, her adversary, right? Somebody that is giving her problems, and she wants it to stop. So also in that city is a judge. Now, this does not, a, again, this is a parable, so it's just a story. But um, he's a judge that, that Jesus said is not a man of God. He's not a godly man. He's not righteous. And he also does not regard man. He does not sound like a very happy person. Um, so the widow needs him to help her with a problem. Now, the widow's in a bad position, okay? Because in this time, women would have needed their husband to speak for them. It was a much greater discrepancy between the sexes in this day. Widows were not held in very high regard. They were not seen as important citizens in the society. So she was in a bad spot. She had somebody that was troubling her. She had somebody that was giving her problems. And she had to go see a judge, but she, she wasn't looked upon as very important. Who is she to be able to get in front of this judge? But in the parable, we see that it does not stop her. She doesn't let it stop her. Right? Because in verse 5, uh, when, he's, when the judge is complaining about her coming... Lest by her continual coming she weary me. She keeps coming to him. She keeps saying, Judge, I need your help. Judge, I need your help. I just picture him ignoring her and walking to wherever he's going, just thinking, I, I wish she would just go away. But she doesn't. She's persistent. And because of that persistence, because she keeps coming to the judge, he finally wears down and grants her her petition. Um, and so that, that, that's the story in a nutshell, is that she had a problem, a widow had a problem, she goes to the judge, keeps annoying the judge until the judge finally says, fine, just leave me alone, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. And I think in any parable that we see that Jesus is telling, we try and put ourselves in the parable, Right? We try and see, okay, well, well, if Jesus is telling them a parable, it, it must have meaning to them. So who am I in that parable? Who am I in that story that Jesus is telling? Well, there's only three people in this story. There, there's the widow, there's the judge, and there's the adversary. And I think most people, if you pressed them, they would say, well, we must be the widow. We must be the one that's supposed to be keep going to the judge and, and, and begging the judge and asking and, and telling him our needs. But we're nothing like the widow. We have nothing in common with this widow. And this parable is really about um, differences, about contrasts. And I want to take a look at some of the contrasts. The first contrast is this widow is a stranger to the judge. judge doesn't know this widow. If the judge knew this widow or knew the family or knew the husband, he would have done something about her situation a long time before this, right? She wouldn't have had to keep coming back to him over and over, pestering him, trying to get uh, what she wanted from him. 
So she was a stranger to the judge. We are not strangers to God. We are his children. He knows us and he loves us. He knows everything about you. Every little detail in your life, not only does he know about, but he cares about. He takes the time to learn those things about us. Secondly, she didn't have access to the judge. right? She didn't have um, the ability to just go to him anytime she wanted. She couldn't just walk into his office and sit down at his desk and say, Judge, these are my problems. She didn't have that kind of access. She had to wait for him to come out and follow him. She had to track him down in the street. She had to go after him. She didn't have direct access to him. But we have access to God. We can come to God anytime we want. It doesn't matter the time of day. It doesn't matter the hour. It doesn't matter the situation that we're in. It doesn't matter the season. It could be on Christmas Day. It doesn't matter. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, we can reach God anytime we want. He has an open door policy. We can speak to him at any time. She didn't have that. The third difference between the widow and us, she was a nuisance. She was annoying. She just followed this man around and he couldn't get rid of her. Just constantly giving him her problems. Judge, I need you to fix this. They're, they're, they're bugging me. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're, 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 whatever their adversary, her adversary was doing that was, that, that was troubling her, she, that's all that she kept telling the judge. Judge, you need to fix this. Judge, help me. Judge, help me. She was a nuisance. But God loves hearing from us. He absolutely loves hearing from us. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. He wants to hear from us. He loves when we pray. He loves when we come to him with, with our praises and our problems. He wants to hear both of them. He inclines his ear to us. I feel like we, we, we've mentioned that, or I, I've mentioned that several times in the past few weeks. He actually leans in and inclines his ear to hear us. That, that, that's it's a sign of, I care about what you are saying. Right? When he leans in. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 tells you, um, And shall God not avenge his own elect? His elect. We are his elected. We are his chosen. We are his children. He has elected us. He's chosen you. We're not a nuisance to God. The fourth difference. She doesn't have a lawyer to speak for Right Today, if you went to see a judge with a problem, you would want a lawyer with you. Because you don't know the ins and outs of the, of the legal system, at least I don't. I would need a lawyer there to speak for me, right? to present my case. She didn't have that. She was a widow. She probably didn't have the money. to. In this, in this time, if you had an issue, you would go to the elders. But this wasn't an elder, this was a judge which means you probably had to pay some sort of uh, money for him to be seen. She didn't have that, so she had to follow him around. So she doesn't have somebody to intercede for, someone to speak 
to the judge for her. But we do. We have the Holy Spirit to help us in prayer. When we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will speak to God for us when we have no idea what to pray for. Romans 8.26 tells us that. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When you don't know what to pray for, when, when, when you're in such a bad spot that you can't even get the words out. When you don't even know how to fix the situation. You don't even know what to ask God for that would actually fix whatever's going on in your life. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is your lawyer. The Holy Spirit is the one that will speak to the judge for you. We are blessed to have him. She did not have a lawyer. The fifth difference. The judge had not promised her anything. The judge didn't make any promises. He didn't say, I tell you what, on Tuesdays, anybody from the city can come see me about anything and I'll take care of it. He didn't promise the people that. That wasn't on his agenda. That wasn't on his docket to see people. He didn't tell them that he would do that. But the Bible, this book, is full of promises. It's full of promises that God has made to us. I just made a list of some of the promises. God promises that he loves us. He loves you unconditionally. He promises that you will never be alone. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be with you. He promises that you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And you have eternal home in heaven waiting for you. He promises that he created you in his own image. And he knows you intimately. This is a promise that he has. It says that he knows the, the number of hairs on your head. And I see all of you staring at my bald head. He still knows everything about me. He knows and he cares and he loves us. And he promises us that. He also promises that he has a plan for your life. And it's to prosper you. These are his promises to us. She didn't have promises. So those are five major differences. When you, when you look at the widow and you look at us, you should be able to see that there are big differences. We're not that widow. We are blessed. We are not that widow. And if we didn't understand that Jesus was showing us contrasts in this parable, then we would probably think the judge is supposed to represent God. Right? That the judge would represent God. And that, uh, that it would seem that we would need to argue or, or pester God to get the things that we want. That we need to keep coming to him and say, God, I need this. God, I need this. That's not what it's about. God is nothing like this judge. Again, we have contrasts. I'll only give you three this time. The first contrast, the judge didn't answer her request because he cared about her. He didn't answer her request. He answered her request because she kept bugging him. She, he answered her request because I, he says that, uh, where, where's, where's the uh, verse? Uh, 
widow troubles me to avenge her, lest her continual coming she weary me. That weary me, uh, that, that, that word weary uh, actually means to give a black eye. It means it's going to hurt him in some way, soil his reputation. It doesn't actually mean to, to make me tired. She's just beating him over the head with her problems. And finally he just says, you know what, I, I, I give. I'm, I'm crying, uncle. I'm going to go ahead and answer your petition. But God's not like this judge. God, God doesn't answer prayer because we bug him. He doesn't answer prayer just to get rid of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He loves us. That's why he thinks of us. That's why he answers prayers, because he loves us, and he wants to give us a future and a hope. He wants peace for us. I want to get back to that weary. The, the, the second difference. The judge granted her request because he did not want uh, her to weary him, to black his eye, to, 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 to give him um, a, reputa- a bad reputation. Right? A black eye, if you get punched in the eye and you have a black eye, people can see that. He didn't want people to see the kind of person that he was. He didn't want his reputation smeared in the mud. God answers prayers for his glory. See the difference there? The judge answered the prayer because he didn't want to, um, he didn't want his reputation tarnished. God answers him for his own glory. Finally, look at how Jesus describes the judge. It was in um, verse 6. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Jesus calls this judge unjust. That is the complete opposite of who God is. God is just. God is righteous. God is perfect. He's nothing like this judge. And and to understand the parable, we need to see that Jesus contrasting us and the widow and the judge, and God. So why does Jesus say that God will answer our prayers speedily in verse 8? He says, I I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. When was the last time you you, you prayed for something and and it fell out of the sky on your head? It, it, It doesn't, it's speedily. Why does he say speedily? If I pray for if I pray for something and it doesn't happen right away, well, that's not speedy, is it? If I pray for 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 for, for healing and it takes two years to heal, that's not speedy, is it? Seems to me like that's taking quite a while. If I let, let me let me get into it a little bit more here. Um, when you ask according to His will. It is speedy. When you ask according to his will, God immediately goes to work for you. It's not a matter of something happening right away in your situation. I think about Kate's job situation. 
right? We, we, we prayed for her in, in finding work. We, 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 we prayed and we prayed. Positions were opening up at Pineville, and she was interviewing for the job, and, and they were loving her. We were getting a lot of good feedback from them, but it wasn't working out, right? It, it, somebody else had uh, something else that they were looking for, they needed to have. She filled out a lot of applications to other places in town. Um, it just didn't work out. It just kept not working out, and we kept praying about it. But then she got a a job. Like when these jobs were opening up, God had to put in motion a plan for the jobs in Pineville to be blocked. He had to make sure that that uh, the person that got her job uh, maybe lost a job someplace else. He had to put in motion that somebody that that got a position that she applied for had to have seen that. Somebody else had to see it and had to give them a call. It it, it was a chain reaction of things had to take place to block her from getting those jobs for a purpose. Because she found a job now that she loves. And for that to happen, the person that had her job had to be... um, what do you call that when you get moved up? Promoted. Good, good word. He had to get promoted into the vice principal position to vacate her position now. And for him to get moved up and promoted into the vice principal position, that vice principal had to move on. A lot of things have to happen for, answer, for prayers to be answered. Right? It's not, a, well, we're going to pray for Kay's job, and boom, now she has the perfect job. She has the job that God wants her to have in that spot. Things have to happen. A lot of dominoes have to fall. So while we were praying, God was working. While we were praying, God was opening up doors for other people. While we were praying, God was causing some bad things to happen, or allowing things to happen in other people's lives that would put them in position to have to apply for the jobs that she was applying to. A lot of things have to happen for a prayer to come to fruition. 1 John 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 say, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that's important, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked him for. Right? We will have what we ask him for if we ask according to his will. Is his will for me to have a Ferrari? Probably not. What are his wills for our lives? I, I, I gave you a, a Spurgeon quote earlier, and I, I love Spurgeon. Um, Charles Spurgeon said, When prayer is long in the answering, it will be all the sweeter in the receiving, like fruit which is well ripened by hanging longer on the tree. I think Kate, right, just as, as we used the example earlier, I think Kate is so much more grateful for the job that she has now because of the things that she's had to go through along the way to get there. She talks about this job now as a place where she feels like she could retire from. She loves it so much. It's worth the wait. God is working. God only has good things in store for you. 
And he wants us to, to wait on him. Don't grow impatient. Don't grow weary. Don't, 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 don't stop praying just because it's not happening in the manner, in the time frame that we want. It may not come when we want, but he may not come when we want, but he's always on time. Last thing. Look at the end of verse 8. It says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Remember what I said. Our prayer life is a reflection of our faith. Jesus is asking us here, will he find people with the faith to pray even when we aren't seeing the results? Will we have the faith in him or are we going to give up on him? Will we have the faith to continue in prayer? Will we have the faith to continue to rely on him even when it looks bleak? Even when we're not seeing the results that we want to see? Even when we don't even feel like we're seeing him in our lives, when we don't feel like he's hearing us, will we have the faith that his word is true? And do we have the faith to know that he does hear us, that he loves us, and he wants to answer prayer? It's a little bit harder on us in in one respect. The widow was able to see her judge, right? She was able to see him. She knew he heard Because she saw him. She saw the look on his face. She saw him maybe speed up in his walk trying to get away from her. She had that advantage over us in the fact that she was able to physically see him. We can't physically see God when we're praying to him. So Jesus wants to know when he returns, will he see the faith that we have in God? That's what it's all about. It's about our faith. I want to encourage you to pray. Prayer is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it's going to get. You don't have to ask. When you pray, you don't have to ask him for anything. You can thank him for everything. You know the song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One? That's what we should be praying. Those should be our prayers. When we think, when you're counting all those blessings, write them down so that when you're praying, you can be thanking him for each one of those things. That's what prayer is to be about. We, we need to constantly be in prayer. I, when you're driving down the road, just thank God. Thank God. Be in prayer. Be in communication. Maybe, maybe prayer, I'm done, but I, prayer when we think about prayer, I think we, many people just think going to him with, with, with troubles. We need to look at it less in, in our frame of mind about prayer and more about communication. Talk to God. It, that is prayer. But we change our mindset to have a constant communication with him. Constantly be in communication with God. It'll make you... A better Christian, it'll make you closer to God. It, 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 it'll, um, it'll fill you with joy in the Holy Spirit, I promise you. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for you. So we're so grateful for everything you've done in our lives. Lord, one of the things we're most grateful for is just the ability to be able to pray to you, to be able to talk to you, to be able to... Just cry out to you and know that you incline your ear, that you bend down, you, you, you listen to us, and you care about our petitions. 
Lord, it, it, it makes our hearts happy to know that when we thank you for things, it makes you happy. Lord, we love you. Lord, we ask that you would, would strengthen us. Strengthen us as Christians. Strengthen our love for you. Strengthen our prayer life. Lord, um, we're just so grateful for all that you do. We pray that you will continue to, to do these things. We pray that you will work on us. Help us to, to grow closer to you. Pray that you'll be with us throughout this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.